I'm just a blue collar mechanic slash truck driver. I have a blue collar burner technician pastor. I have a savior that was a carpenter and I'm surrounded by real men who love Jesus and are unashamed. We have uh, a testimony this morning. Mike Tozier is gonna come and uh, uh, share his testimony. So All right, uh, thanks, Stan. So, just so uh, not before I start, I've taken some liberties here. Uh, you're going to hear a name in here a couple of times. It's our pastor's name, Stan. So, if you haven't been here before, that's Stan. Um, got some of my lifelong friends here that don't often come, so I'm happy that they're here to hear this. And, and uh, they've probably been wondering what's happened to this guy. So, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Mike Tozier, happily married to Jody Tozier, 34 years now. You've likely seen Jody, uh... yeah, she is lucky, yeah, so. You've likely seen Jody playing bass guitar with the praise team. She also helps Gina with the Good News Club. Uh, we've got two grown children, four grandchildren. Uh, Till last year, I always lived in Newport. However, last year we moved into a new house in Palmyra, just over the line. Uh, I own and operate a family business in Newport, TNW Garage. It's a full-service auto truck shop. Um, we've been in the towing business for about 45 years, so you might have seen some of our trucks riding around. Uh, so, what do I like to do? That's a long list, the shorter list is this. I don't really like uh, to work out, run, or jog, so. <laughs> um, and I'm not really good at being bored. So that's enough about me. What am I doing up here? Good question. So Stan Vollen told me uh, for a public speaking course that was here last winter, Long story short, winters can be real busy for me, and uh, I went to one class, and I'm the sole dropout from that class. <laughs> so uh, why am I here talking this morning? Uh, two things. Number one, I sometimes talk too much, and number two, Stan seems to get what he wants. So I towed a vehicle over to Stan's house a couple of summers ago, and I could have just dropped the car off. It was a pickup, actually. Uh, but no, I had to give Stan my testimony, and uh, that was me talking too much. So Stan listened intently to my story, apparently with wheels turning in his head. And when I was finished, he said, that's quite a story. I'm going to have you tell that in front of the whole church. I said, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so this is Stan getting what he wants. So Stan has a knack for pe keeping people grounded, though. So over the last year and a half, multiple times, <clears throat> he reminded me that, I, that he wanted me to do this. At the point where I said, I'll do it, he made sure to check my pride. He said, just so you know, there's nothing special about your testimony. It's just different. So thanks, Stan. Yeah. So here it is. I was saved by Joel Osteen in my pickup truck. Okay, so try to gather yourselves. 
I'll explain. This happened about six years ago. I was 49 years old and firmly of the world. I wasn't raised in a church or the word. Basically, I'd only ever been to church for weddings. And I didn't have any intention of going for any other reason. I had enjoyed all that the world had to offer. At the same time, I was a golden rule guy. Just treat people how you'd want to be treated and you'll be fine. How little I knew. So how did this all happen? Well, I'm on the road a lot with my work, and I have satellite radio in my pickup. One day I'm scanning the channels and landed on Joel Osteen. He has a serious radio station, and at the time I didn't know why I stayed and listened to his podcast, broadcast. I, I know now that was God's plan. If you're not familiar with Joel or his style of preaching, it's all kind of fluff. It's all the good news of the Bible, and really that's it. Stuff like give and you'll get tenfold in return, pray your way to prosperity or a promotion or into a relationship you want, those kind of things. But he also shares a lot about a loving God and forgiveness and the inner peace of a relationship with Jesus. Whatever it was, I found myself listening more and more while driving alone. Uh, Jody warned me about this. You're going to lose your spot. Uh, Joel's sermons are about a half hour long, and he ends every one of them like Stan often does. If this message has moved you, then repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. He continues, if you prayed that prayer, you've been saved. Get yourself into a Bible-based church and see what God has in store for you. So after dozens of sermons, I started to think that prayer, think that prayer in my head as he said it. After several more, I mouthed a few of the words with no sound. I guess I was trying the words out my mouth. Then I would say a few out loud. Weeks later, I was saying that prayer out loud as I was driving, and I was saved. Jody didn't know this process was even going on. I kept it to myself. And once it all happened, I couldn't keep it to myself. I said to her, I think I'm ready to try going to church. I explained to her what had been happening to me in my truck. She was thrilled. She was raised in a godly home and always knew something was missing in our lives. I was responsible for us being worldly. I also had a painful revelation last year. I'd been a useful tool of Satan for most of my life. Oftentimes I'll have memories of sins I've committed and repent, but really there are too many individual sins to remember. So often I'll go for the blanket repentance. God, can you just forgive me for all of it? Thanks to Jesus on the cross, he has. So we're going to church, where would we go? We had many discussions and some concerns. We'd lived in the Newport area most of our lives and hadn't attended church. We discussed walking into a local church, all of which are fairly small congregations and having every head turn, having them all think, what are they doing here? <laughs> or going for a while and not showing up for one week only to have them say amongst themselves, why aren't they here? To us, those were small town realities. 
we decided to go to St. Albans Union Church. Jody's cousin was a member there and had invited Jody many times. I was very nervous going into the church. I had no idea what to expect. I didn't have second thoughts about going in. I just didn't know, I didn't know it then, but I know it now why I didn't have second thoughts. I was saved by the Holy Spirit and he was directing me at this point. We went in and we were welcomed by a greeter. We walked into the sanctuary and it was bustling with people the same as this church does before service. Almost instantly I saw two men I recognized. Both are slightly older than me and I knew they had been very worldly when they were younger and I said in my head, if the roof didn't collapse on them, it's probably gonna stand up with me in here. The music started, and although it was contemporary Christian music, it was all strange to me. I was standing along with everyone else. I wasn't singing, and honestly, it felt weird. Then I noticed the young men in the room. They were mostly family men with their wives and young children. They were manly, and they were singing out. This comforted me, and it still does when I see it every week in church here. We went back two weeks later. Jody and I were both convinced that the sermon that week was specially written for me. It addressed most all the concerns that I had about entering a life of faith. We were so convinced it was directed at me that we asked Jody's cousin if, cousin if she had prompted the preacher to write it. She said, no way, he plans his sermons a year in advance. We know God was talking directly to me on that day through that pastor. So I'm almost done here and you're probably thinking, wow, he does talk too much. I'm just trying to cover it all so that I don't get invited back. <laughs> One thing I like to share is something that happened to me and Jody on this journey. I doubt that it's unique to us. About a year or so after going to church routinely, there was a guest pastor. He was giving a sermon and made reference to a Bible story. He said, it was like Daniel in the lion's den. I don't need to elaborate on that story. It's the simplest story in the Bible. Even all the ch children in here know it. Well, we weren't familiar with the story of Daniel. In preparing for this talk, I stopped to consider how I felt right then at that moment low or deflated is how I'd characterize my feelings. My point bringing this up is that I think everyone in this room is in a different place in their faith journey. Try to keep that in mind and you can be a blessing if you do. So let me wrap this up. A year and a half after walking into church for the first time, I was baptized. Jody was baptized the same day. The neat thing we were baptized in a swimming pool at the home of one of the men I mentioned earlier. One that tested the church rafters before I showed up. At that time, we were kind of still searching for a church. We found this church through a friend of Jody's. We instantly felt welcomed here. And I often feel the chill of the Holy Spirit during worship services here. I'm encouraged by the example that so many members of this church set, your knowledge and faith is very humbling and inspiring. Now I find myself listening to Christian radio more than ever. I introduce myself to Billy Graham on Sirius Radio. 
What a man of God he is. I say is because he may not still be here on earth, but he surely is not dead. I also listen to local Christian stations on FM radio and have watched a lot of stuff on YouTube. Currently, I'm really obsessed with the podcast Unashamed. If you're not familiar with it, check it out. It's the Robertsons from Duck Dynasty. They deliver the gospel in a very down-to-earth way. I guess that's why I like it so much and why I like it here so much. I'm just a blue-collar mechanic slash truck driver. I have a blue-collar burner technician pastor. (laughs) I have a savior that was a carpenter. And I'm surrounded by real men who love Jesus and are unashamed. Thanks for listening. If you don't care for it, you can blame Stan. And again, there's nothing special about my story, just a guy saved by Joel Osteen while driving his pickup truck. Well, they stood and clapped when you left, Mike. So that was pretty good, huh? Oh, that was tremendous. Thank you very much. If you have your Bible this morning, we are in Psalm 32. Knowing that he was going to share his testimony, I wanted to try to just give something briefly to you. We could obviously have an invitation and close right now, but I've got some thoughts that in in kind of in line with uh, what he said. So if you'll stand with me, please. We're going to read all of Psalm 32, one of the greatest psalms in the Bible. And it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart." Our Heavenly Father, it is a privilege to know you as our personal Savior. Thank you for Mike's testimony. Lord, if there are those here this morning that have not trusted you as their personal Savior, I hope today would be the day. For most of us here in this room, we already know you. And there are things that we know that I hope that we would be willing to share. Help us to do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There are questions in life. A game show ran for seven years called, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? People wonder what they know. Why am I here? Do I have purpose? Are there things that I know that others don't? In other words, do I have something to offer? And I'm telling you this morning, you do. 
And when it comes to knowledge, not all knowledge is useful. Some facts that will change your life. Listen to this. There's a 13.8% chance likelihood that you'll die on your birthday. Most American cars honk in the, cor- the key of F. Alaska is the only state in the nation, is the only state whose name is one on is on one row on a keyboard. A blob of toothpaste is called a nurdle. Stamps contain one-tenth of a calorie when you lick them. Ten percent of the Russian government's income comes from the sale of vodka. Your stomach has to produce a new layer of mucus every two weeks. Isn't that nice? (laughs) I like this one. Conception occurs the most in December. Well, that isn't hard to figure out. It's kind of cold in December, isn't it? But anyway, I move on. (laughs) Dreamt is the only word in the English language that ends with M-T. Now, you know what those facts are good for? Nothing. They're just useless. I've got pages of them. I've got a bunch of them in my notes. We don't have time this morning. We could read those all morning long of things that when you hear them, will do absolutely zero for you. Okay? God's word in your testimony is not one of those facts that don't matter. What you know is extremely important. In one of the recent funerals that we did here at this church, I was sharing with what Christians believe and You've been in some of those services. Some of you have heard what I have to share this morning. But the fact is that Christians, what we do, what we say, how we talk, is a foreign language to those that are watching. The Bible describes us as strangers and pilgrims on this earth. See, you don't try to make this your home. This is not your home. Our real home is in heaven. When we get to heaven, you will finally be home. And you'll know it when you get there. And it's something that you and I have never experienced. We have, I, I live at 271 Griffin Road in Levant. I call it home. It absolutely is my home. I love being there. But I'll tell you what, 271 Griffin Road does not compare to what God has prepared for us. We're looking forward to going home because we are strangers, and we've all been treated like strangers at times, and we know how that feels, and we don't like it. If you're visiting with us this morning, I hope and pray to God we've not treated you like strangers. We are thrilled that you are here. So I'm going to give you very quickly four, th- three things that you know that maybe you don't understand you know, and, you, and it's important that we share those things. Number one, you know why you are here. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities, powers. All things were created by him and for him. Psalm uh, 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell therein. I belong to God. Say that with me. I belong to God. Now, if you know Christ, you do. But regardless, saved or lost, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or nothing at all, God put you here. You're not a random act of some cosmic experience over billions of years. I get ticked off, and I'd love to have time to talk about it a little bit this morning. You are constantly being lied to in America. Constantly. Now, if you and I had friends that constantly lied to us, we'd write them off. 
But no, in science in America, they're telling you over billions of years, they are lying. And if they'd be honest with themselves, they know it. But they continue to lie. Our politicians are lying to us. They know it, and they continue to lie. Yet we accept it. And I'm telling you this morning that you are not something that happened over billions of years. You are a creation by God in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth is not billions of years old. It's thousands of years old. He puts you here for a reason, and whether you choose him or not, he's going to use your life. So knowing I'm going to be used, I want to be used on God's team, not against him, but for him. Not on Satan's side, but on God's side. See, there's only two teams. And if you're not on God's side, you're on Satan's side. Now, whether you like that or not, I really don't care. That's the truth of it. And I will not lie to you like others will. Number one, you're here for a reason. God puts you here, and he wants to use your life, and he will. Number one, that. Number two, you know where you're going. John chapter 14, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. As a Christian, we've chosen to believe in Jesus Christ. In my Father's house are many mansions. You cannot overstate the glamour of heaven. Now, I know there are some versions of God's word that says, in my Father's house are many rooms. You can go to your room if you want to. When I was young, when I had to go to my room, I was being punished. Okay? Now, you can say, go to your room. I say, God made a mansion for us. Whatever we say about heaven, do not downplay heaven. It is spectacular. It, I'll tell you, the mansions here in the United States or anywhere in the world is a doghouse compared to what God has prepared for you when we get to heaven. Don't you miss that. We know where we're going. Number one, God put me here. I know why I'm here. Number two, I know where I'm going. Number three, you know what you are supposed to do. We are not living here wandering, what is my purpose in life? Said to say, many people are clueless why they are here. That's why they buy so quickly into this godless idea that they just evolved and got here and they have no purpose. Said another thing that you're being lied to about is, you know, that educated people, people that are in charge of you and I, there are folks that actually believe that a human being has no difference than a dog. That a salmon fish, uh, swimming in a stream has the same value as a human being. And so we are uh, steering society, talking about greenhouse gas, and how as you exhale, you are destroying the planet. They're saying, I'm, folks, this is bizarre, but that's what they're saying. You know what they really want you to do? Stop breathing. That's the facts. We are a plague on society. Why? Because human beings are no more important than a mosquito. That's what's being taught to our people. That is godless. That is a lie. That is right out of the pit of hell. We know why we're here is to honor God Almighty, to glorify Him, to brag about Him, to share what we know about Him, and to live a life of purpose. And when we do that, let me tell you something, you are living differently than the world. What a joy it is to know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior to know why I'm here, to know where I'm going. And when I get out of the bed in the morning, I'm not wondering what I'm supposed to be doing. I am a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something, so are you. 
We are all full-time Christian servants. Say that with me. We are all full-time Christian servants. So if I look around here this morning, my son works with computers. George is a retired crane operator. Richard was a mechanic. Sean, I'm not sure exactly what he does, but he's got a beautiful wife. And so if, if we, if we, yeah, Becca's over there, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 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 exactly. He does it well, exactly. So, but every one of us could talk about our occupation. Let me tell you, whatever it is that pays your check at the end of the week is not your purpose in life. You are here to glorify God and serve Him and talk about Him and share what you know. I'm telling you, you know more than anybody else about Jesus Christ because you know Him personally. And it's so important that we talk about that and share that and shame on us when we don't do that because He put us here for that reason. You have the wisdom of God in your life if you know Christ as your Savior, and it is the greatest message that ever can be shared. What do people talk about today? Well, I think the AFC and the NFC playoffs are going on today. Sad to say, more people in America will be talking about football than about Jesus Christ. That ought to break our hearts. What a disaster. Because the greatest story ever told is the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And somehow or other, he wants so much to get your attention and to, for you to recognize what he did for you. He gave his life for you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you believe that and you know it, say amen. amen. We know that. It's incredible. I'm telling you, one of the things that I've always struggled with is, do I know enough to share my faith? If I start talking about Christ, will they say something that I won't know how to answer? Oh, there's a good chance. Nobody has all the answers. Nobody has every, can, can talk about everything. I worked on cars for years. I worked on heating systems for years. And I still don't understand all I know about them things. Did you catch that? I still don't understand all that I know. I certainly don't understand all that I know about God Almighty. I never will. But I know enough to tell people that Jesus saves. And if you trust him as your Savior, then it is the greatest, freest, most wonderful choice that you could possibly make. And Mike Tozier talked about that this morning. And so many of you could stand up here and do the same thing that he did because you know what God has done for you. Question, if you're sitting here this morning, has he done that for you? Have you trusted him? Have you prayed, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be my savior, forgive my sins? Because once you say those words and mean them and mix them with faith, as Hebrews 4.2 talks about, once you do that, then you are saved. Christ lives in you. The Holy Spirit starts to indwell you. And then you really start living. Heavenly